I want to welcome everybody who's joining us uh, via video over in Stevens Point and points beyond and uh, internet and whatever uh, for our uh, Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, we are in uh, the book of Acts, we're at chapter 15, at the end of the chapter, starting at verse 36. And we have uh, we just finished this big council at Jerusalem. This was like a major turning point in the history of the church. This is where they decided that, in point of fact, Christians do not have to obey the law of Moses. We do not have to obey all the strict regulations of what you can eat, what you couldn't, when you could work, when you couldn't, when you could do this, when you could pray, when you couldn't pray. All these Old Testament regulations in the law of Moses, um, they decided we didn't have to do that. Um, pretty much just got together and sent out a letter, said, look, the only thing we're asking you is to stay away from you know, food that's been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from sexual immorality. That's all, out of all that, that's all we're asking you to do. And then serve God with a pure heart and follow the law of love, uh, you know, that uh, teaches us not to hurt each other and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so they were happy and they finally got, you know, Paul and, and Peter and everybody kind of won the day in the big debate. So um, they went back to the brothers and, and uh, gave them the word on what was going on. So we pick it up at uh, verse 36. Now sometime later, Paul says to Barnabas... Remember Barnabas, this is the buddy. Paul and Barnabas are together, they're going everywhere, they're serving God together. Barnabas was the guy, remember, who reached out and took Paul in when nobody else would take him in. Remember, the apostles were all freaking out. Here comes Paul, who was called Saul at the time. He was persecuting and killing Christians. Uh, He comes to Jerusalem, they're all freaking out. Barnabas says, no, he's the real deal. He takes him in, he brings him to the brothers, and, and they start realizing this guy's the real deal. So Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now, real interesting thing just to note here. On the first missionary journey, it was the Holy Spirit that spoke to him to go and do it. Here, there's no such notation. God did not speak to them to go and do this. You say, well, was that improper? No, it was not improper. It was fine. And you can see here in a minute, uh, we're going to learn more about the leading of the Holy Spirit. Is, is this is kind of really key stuff about the leading of the Holy Spirit that we're about to get here in the book of Acts. Priceless information that we have. But the reason I point this out is because a lot of people get this idea that God has to constantly be saying everything before you do anything. And if you've heard me preach at all, you have heard me preach against this nonsense. Does the Holy Spirit speak to us? Yes. Does God speak to us? Yes. Will God lead us? Yes. Does he have to tell us everything to do? No. And if you're sitting there waiting for God to speak to you to volunteer tomorrow, forget about it. (laughs) Just do it. You don't need God telling you stuff all the time. And if these guys would have been like so many Christians are today, they would not have done it. They would have not gone. They would have not gone and done the second missionary journey. Because they were thinking a lot of people, well, I'm just going to wait till God tells me what to do. I'm just going to wait till God tells me what to do. I'm just going to wait till God tells me what to do. And sit on their butts and do absolutely nothing. So yes, God will speak, but sometimes it doesn't always have to be that way. It was just Paul looking at Barnabas. You know what? We ought to go check these cats out. See how they're doing. Okay, cool. All right? Now, moving. Next step, they get in a big fight. You say, well, that's because they didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't think so. But anyway... Barnabas wants to take John, also called Mark. Remember, John, Mark was traveling with them. 
Uh, and, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Now, I am not a Greek scholar. None of you are either. But uh, it would be real interesting uh, what that word deserted really means. I mean, I don't, you know, he says deserted them. Who knows what happened? We don't know what happened. Obviously, it wasn't so evil that Barnabas thought it was a bad deal. You know, you know, who knows why he went back? Maybe his mom was sick. Maybe, you know, he had diarrhea. I mean, who knows what the, what the deal was? Why are you pointing this out? Because I think Paul was kind of a hard butt, to be real honest with you. You know, Paul was real strict and he was real disciplined. He certainly comes across in the epistles and stuff like that. Barnabas was certainly more mercy oriented. And Paul just didn't want to take him because he didn't stay with him. They say here deserted, but it couldn't have been that horrible because uh, Barnabas still went with him. And later on, we read in, in, in uh, the epistles where Paul says, bring John Mark with you. So but later in life, he concedes anyway. I mean, it's kind of a hard but, you know. But anyway, they had this big fight. Christians having a fight. <coughs> How can this be? You mean two men of God can see things so Differently that they part ways? Yep. And God didn't fall from his throne. The angels of heaven were not rocked to the ground. There was not a rip in the time-space continuum. Okay? They just, they couldn't agree. They couldn't agree. Um, so what happens is, um, they had such a sharp disagreement, sharp disagreement they obviously were really fighting about this thing that they parted company now this is the same Paul who wrote to us be kind to one another tender hearted to one another forgiving each other even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you the same Paul who wrote about love one another passionately all the scriptures about compassion and understanding and tolerance is that what we read from Paul the hard butt here who wouldn't Go on with Barnabas because I, I don't want to take that guy anymore. Now, wouldn't you think the nice thing would have been to forgive John Mark, right? I mean, you know, we weren't there. I'm just reading what that says here. All I'm telling you is that, yes, sometimes Christians disagree over stuff. And who was right or who was wrong, the Bible makes no judgment call on this. Uh, other than, of course, that we're following the life of Paul here, so we don't hear about Barnabas anymore. Uh, doesn't mean that he was right and Barnabas was wrong. It's just they just couldn't get along in this thing. And it just happens. It just happens. And it's not the end of the world. At times you will hear of Christian brothers who they don't hate each other. And they're not disobeying the Bible. They're not violating the word of God. They just can't get along with each other. It's not the end of the world. Pastor Mark Is there anybody in your life that doesn't want to work with you? Yep. There's a few. There's some guys I don't want to have anything to do with. I don't hate them. I just can't can't stand them in some ways, you know. They're hard to deal with. I can still love them. Believe it or not, love is being kind and respective and respectful and considerate and stuff like that. But still, I just, you know, it just doesn't work sometimes. And again, it is not the end of the world. Paul even referred to this when he wrote in some of his epistles. Told a couple of guys, you know, tell those two guys to get along, quit fighting all the time. You know what? Because Christians do that sometimes. You get on each other's nerves. There's people, every once in a while you'll hear about somebody in the church who will leave the church. And 
I'm always shocked by how many people that freaks out. You know, just... Why did they leave? Uh, they were sick of me. You know, is this, is there's some deep, dark, evil workings going on. No, they just don't like me anymore. Or maybe they don't like you and they left because of you. I don't know. <laughs> it goes around. I got an email, you know. I can't go to church anymore. I know that Pastor Mark, he's, he's, just, he's just a stand-up comedian. Just a stand-up comedian? <laughs> what do you mean, just a stand-up comedian? I... All right, so I goof around. I make people laugh. What a shock! You're just now recognizing this after two years? I don't, I don't like him. He just he goofs around too much. Okay, what do stink and do? If you think by making a charge like that that I am now at 53 years of age going to change? <laughs> You're on drugs, Jack. And it could change. The pastor, they left. Okay. So what? I mean, it's not like I, I want them to leave. I like them. They just don't like me. I have a problem with them. I just say most people have left is that they don't like me. Is there anybody that we just didn't like? Well, I guess there might have been one or two. We <laughs> don't want to mention any names, but, uh, you know, they left with, oh, thank God they left. Oh, thank God they left. Thank God they left. You know, there, there's a few of those guys, but I, mean, I don't have problems with most people. I can tolerate most anybody, quite frankly. Uh, I'm less tolerable to some, and I, that's okay. But I'm just saying, when you hear stuff like that, and obviously, if, you know, 50 people are leaving and, the pastor's being a real obnoxious jerk and I'm being mean and nasty. Well, that, you know, that's, that's one thing. But I mean, it happens. There's people that uh, they get their feelings hurt for one reason or another and it just, it just happens. We're not happy about it. We're always sad about it and we try and talk to them and try and reason with them and, you know, and Paul and Barnabas, what are you going to do? You know, again, I just, don't let it rock your world. Don't, don't let it, make you freaked out and stuff uh, it happens if, if you ever hear something like that and you're concerned you know come talk to me I'll at least give you my view of things I mean uh, you know there's always two sides to every story but just like here you know I I love Paul I mean he's the one who you know he was the big apostle he's the one who wrote most of the New Testament I I look at this I think Paul was wrong <laughs> you know but that's my call you know, uh, maybe Barnabas was wrong. I don't know. It d- doesn't say who was wrong. It just says they just they just couldn't get past it. Uh, so they went two different directions. Okay, Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. From this time on, you don't hear about Paul and Barnabas anymore. Now you're going to be reading about Paul and Silas, and that's what happens. Okay, so, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of God, so they prayed for him, you know, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Well, he comes to Derby. He came, he came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived. Anybody heard of him before? This is Timothy, young Timothy. We just read uh, the epistles to Timothy, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. 
problematic. Little Jews aren't supposed to be marrying Greeks, but this is what happened. And, you know, so he was kind of in both worlds, Timothy there. Now, the brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. He was a good guy, loved God. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcises him because, ouch, because of the, uh, of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, now, check this out. This is just kind of bizarre to me. But again, it's another good example of just dealing with life. All right? Who was against circumcision more intensely than anybody in the New Testament record. Paul! He's the guy who got so mad at one point, he said, I wish you guys would just cut your wieners off altogether. That's what he says in Galatians. He just, I mean, he was against it like crazy! So he's got this one guy with him, what's the first thing he does? Circumcises him! I don't know what they were thinking! But you know what it is? He's just dealing with life. The reality is he had to keep working with these people and he did it just for peace. There's no way Paul believed it. He just went to Jerusalem. They had this big conference, this big gathering. We don't have to circumcise these guys. They don't have to believe and obey all those rules of the Old Testament. He fought bitterly for it. They triumph. They have this new freedom for Christianity. He meets Timothy and cuts the end of his wiener off. Bizarre to me. But sometimes you just do stuff that's not always ideal. Again, real life Christianity. It's just things aren't always ideal. Sometimes you do things that you just, it's not ideal, but you just gotta do them, you know? And I wish I had some examples. I can't think of anything right now, but it's just, it's just life. Life is messy at times. And it's always not quite as black and white as you wish it was. And blah, blah, blah. even though he fought bitterly against these things just for the sake of working with these people he had to deal with, he circumcises the boy and he moves on. Pretty fascinating. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area. He didn't want to offend them all because they all knew that his father was a Greek and they wouldn't have listened to him and blah, 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 blah. So as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders. What decision was that? That you don't have to get circumcised. <laughs> Strange. Anyway, so, so they go and they give him this thing. Here's the decision. All we have to do is stay away from food that's offered to idols and from blood and uh, from sexual immorality. That's all we got to worry about. And they went and they did this. So this is what they were doing. So in verse 5, so the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. So, now Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, interesting. So here, the Lord only spoke up when they didn't want him to do something or go a certain direction. Again, this is different. Trying to enlighten you here a little bit. Don't be one of these people that always says, well, God has to tell me what to do. God has to tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. I need a word from God. Okay, clearly they were acting, just fulfilling the Great Commission. They didn't need the Holy Spirit to speak to them, tell them exactly what to do. But they're out there, and they're wanting to go to Asia, and the Holy Spirit says, well, no, 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 don't go that way. And they went, okay. So, uh, so that when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. So here's the deal. You're coming from the south 
the Holy Spirit won't let you go north. So then you go east. The Holy Spirit says you can't go east. Gee, I wonder where's left to go. West. So they're going the other direction. Now during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing uh, and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And Okay, now, so, so check this out. Again, this is kind of like the story that we read about um, Philip. Was it Philip? The one that was transported? Yeah. Zapped around, okay. Um, you know, the, the Holy Spirit could have told him, hey, go over to such and such and you'll see this Ethiopian eunuch and go witness to him and da da da. But he didn't do that. He got bit, just bits and pieces of the picture. A lot of times, you just get bits and pieces of the picture. All he knows as he's on this journey, which is his idea in the first place, the Holy Spirit says, ah, ah. And all of a sudden he gets this dream where somebody over on the west says, come over and help us. Okay. Again, bits and pieces. If you were to listen to a lot of televangelists today, what they would have said is, oh, God spoke for us to go here and then take a left around this corner. And then we saw that God said this. And we just, and you get the impression that when God speaks to you, he gives you all the little details about life. And I'm telling you, I, I don't know if that's the way God speaks to those guys, great for them. But I'm telling you, I've never had stuff like that for me. It comes in bits and pieces. Everybody say bits and pieces. Bits and pieces. It's called faith. And pieces. Kibbles and bits. Kibbles and bits. Kibbles and bits. You get a little piece and, a, and you get this and you get a little picture of this and, and you kind of, sometimes you're in a place where you kind of just start, okay, this picture is here and this piece is here. And this is, so you kind of interpolate and you pray and you ask God for wisdom and, and then suddenly the things start becoming clear. Paul said, we look through a glass darkly. In other words, you kind of can see through it, but you you know, is that, is, is, what is that? Is that a, is that an elephant's butt? Or is that, is that a chicken? I can't tell, you know, it's, just, it's all, and it's sometimes life is hard to see and it's not always clear and you live by faith and you step out in faith and you do your best. But the wonderful thing about it is you start moving out there. You could always trust that God will be with you. And he will guide and lead you. And sometimes when you start really going the wrong direction, even though you don't have all the pictures and you just have kibbles and bits, all of a sudden the Spirit of God is going, no, 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 no. And you can just feel, oh, this, I shouldn't go this way. And then you're back to kibbles and bits again. You know, and you're going. And it's just, and it's faith and it's okay. Uh, God could have told them in very specific terms exactly what to do. He didn't. Just the bits. So, after Paul had seen the vision... We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Did anybody see what just happened? What? What? Yes. First person all of a sudden. It's we. What have we learned here? Remember who's writing the book of Acts? Luke. Okay. Luke, at this point, joins them. So apparently, Luke is from, where are we? Bithynia? No, no, no. We're down in... Troas. They're in Troas. So apparently Troas is where Luke is from. So now you start to hear, we did it. Up to the, at this point, they did this and they did that. And this. All of a sudden, it changes now. Now we did this and we did that and we did this. And then all of a sudden it switches back to, 
they did this, and they did that, and then you come back to, and then we did, what happened? He's joining them, he's getting away, and he's, you know, he's kind of in and out. It's kind of interesting uh, here. So, uh, up to this point now, this, uh, everything he's been sharing has been by record now, it's by personal experience. He's actually seeing what's happening. So, at this point, Luke hooks up with these guys, and he's going, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them, he said. And we got ready once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach. Concluding, what does that mean? It means doing the math. Doing the spiritual math. Here's the kibble. Here's a bit. Here's the kibble. Here's a bit. Okay, so here's the vision. Okay, so we're going to now conclude that God wants us to go to Macedonia. They're still stepping out in faith. God could have told them absolutely clearly before they ever left Jerusalem or Antioch, wherever they're at, saying, you know, just go to Macedonia. But he didn't do it. Stepping out in bits and pieces. Don't get discouraged. When you don't have all the answers. Is what I'm trying to tell you. Just move out. Very few people get all the answers. Uh, that would be easy quite frankly. That's easy. I mean if, if God clearly. And I'm not saying he wouldn't. But if God clearly tells you to do ABC. Now that's cool. That's great. Where's the problem there? That's not the problem. It's the bits and pieces. And stepping out in faith and trusting God. That's a little harder. And sometimes you got to pray. You get wisdom. You get advice. Uh, and the Bible says in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Come talk to your pastors. Come to talk to people you trust in. Give them the little bits and pieces and pray together with them. And, and then start concluding. I think this is what God wants me to do. A little different than what you hear from a lot of people. God told me to do this. God told me to do this. Wow, you must be really something. Okay, so... Um, so from Troas, where Lucas from, he said, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony uh, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. This is the Philippi that Paul writes the epistles to the Philippians. These are the guys, okay? So it was a leading city in that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Now on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Now one of, the list, uh, one of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, uh, who was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, so here right away they get saved, they get baptized right on the spot in the river. She invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she says, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So these guys went, and now Lydia. Uh, showing here right away some of the very strong uh, positions that women took uh, in the early church. They had significant roles. Now, uh, Paul... Uh, did not believe in having a woman in terms of uh, having leadership over men in the church. And there's all kinds of reasoning for that. I'm, I'm going to actually be touching on one of those reasons on Sunday's message. Uh, on this Father's Day. But, um, you know, it wasn't like they thought badly of women or didn't like them. Or, you know, thought they weren't spiritual, couldn't get saved. Of course they did. They preached the gospel and they got baptized. They were the first ones, these women, to take them in and to, uh, you know, encourage them in their faith and in their ministry. So uh, so then now, um, once he, he says, when we were going to the place of prayer, so we don't know how long had passed here, we don't know what's going on, but uh, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. 
And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So this girl had a demon in her that allowed her some look into the spirit world where she could, you know, you know, read people's palms or whatever the deal was. I mean, so, uh, and apparently she was pretty good because the guys who owned the slave girl made a lot of money off of this girl. Okay, well, this girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. These men are servants of the Most High God telling you how to be saved. These men are servants of the Most High These This lady was highly irritating. Everywhere they would go, she kept following all this man, the servant of the Most High God. All right? Well, she kept this up for many days. Days of this. This had to just irritate the snot out of you, wouldn't you think? Now, this is kind of like a previous story we read, right? Where these people kept shouting these things out. These apostles were pretty patient for some, some degree. I don't got some duct tape quickly and put it around her mouth but uh so for days she's just tormenting these guys finally paul became so troubled nice way of saying highly irritated that he turned around and said to the spirit in the name of jesus christ i command you come out of her at that moment the spirit left her now to me it's not amazing that he did that what's amazing is it took him so long to do that it really is. I mean, why? Why did you put up with this for days? It had to be really irritating. But they put up with it, put up, finally just, would you shut up? Demon, come out of her. Demon comes out. I don't know if that was a sound I made, but that'll work for now. Well, when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, see, now they freak. She doesn't have the spirit anymore. There's clarity in her eyes. She's not walking on this trance-like state anymore. She can't predict future anymore. Holy stinking cow! There goes our cash cow! Well, then they seize Paul and Silas and drag them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And they brought them before the magistrates and made up these trumped-up charges. They said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept our practice. These guys are breaking the law! They're telling people to do things that are illegal. Well, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. Ouch. Beaten's one thing, but you got to strip me and beat me. I mean, that's, that's humiliating. Well, after they had been slightly persecuted... After someone made fun of them for being Jesus freaks. Uh, after their mom wouldn't have anything to do with them because they go to that celebration church. No, that's nothing. After they had been severely flogged. Again, flogged, severely flogged. I would vote for the flog personally. And clothed if I could. So we got naked, severely flogged going on here. And they were thrown into prison. This is a bad day. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now they can't move. So you're naked, severely flogged, 
thrown in a stinky jail and uh, your legs are in stocks so you can't move. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were crying out to God saying, God, why did you let this happen? (laughs) We were doing the right things. You said you would bless us. I don't understand. This is awful. I'm naked. I hurt everywhere. I can't even scratch my leg because I'm in stocks. <laughs> Is that what they did? It's funny because that's a lot of what we'd have done. <laughs> we'd have been whining and complaining. And God, how could you let anything bad happen to me? Because I did what Pastor Mark said. And look where I'm at. I'm naked and I'm all beat up. And everything's going horrible. In the midst of their horrible circumstances. Remember when I talked to you about separating your joy from your circumstances? This would have been the day I would have given them a pass. <laughs> this is a bad day. You want to complain, whine? I got you 24 hours. Go ahead and whine. But here, guys, in the worst of circumstances, they start praying and singing hymns to God. They are worshiping God. They're say, at midnight. I suppose it's kind of hard to sleep. <laughs> and the other prisoners were listening to them. And what in the world they must have thought? What is the matter with these guys? They got to be loons. They're praising God. They're still loving Jesus. And suddenly the Bible says there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Oh man, that's church. You know you prayed through when all of a sudden the whole building starts rocking and rolling. These guys. At once all the prison doors flew open. And everybody's chains came loose. The power of God hit the place. They were bound. They were stuck. They couldn't get free. Pastor, I can't do it. I can't do it. I would if I didn't have these chains. But I got these chains, I can't do it. I can't do it, Pastor, because i got these stocks. I have to do something, but I can't do it. Pastor, I would, but the, the, the door is shut. I can't get out. i got all these reasons. There are good reasons why I can't do it. God comes along and phew, sets them free. Good news, he sets everybody free. <laughs> Even the other heathens. Everybody's free all of a sudden. Well, the jailer wakes up. And when he sees the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. You remember Why? Because if you get a prisoner gone, it's over with. And they will slowly disembowel you, man. It'll be a pain. Better to take your own life and get it over quickly. First thing he does, without even thinking, reaches for his sword and he's going to run it through his belly. Because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And when he brought them, he asked them, man, what do I got to do to get saved? How do I get some of this? How do I get some of this? I'm telling you, you learn to start walking in victory in your life to where you experience joy separate from your circumstances. And remember, just like those jails, those other people in jail, they're watching, they're listening. People are watching your life as you proclaim Christ. 
and profess Christ. They start watching you. And in the midst of some of your worst trials, you continue to sing and praise and celebrate God's love in your life. One of the questions they start asking is, man, how do I get some of that? How can I have what you have? And Paul replied, well, you need to go to classes for a while. (laughs) Study our books and put you through a few special services and no 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 this is what you do you want to be saved believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved hallelujah see that's the good news of Christianity that's what was freaking everybody out at the time they made it so easy it was was, was making the Jews so mad remember that's why the Jews got so mad at him you're saying they can just get saved what do you mean they gotta get circumcised they gotta obey all the rules they gotta go and in this culture of just where you had to work your way to God's and you had to do all these things and pay for your sins and try and prove yourself to God. Here comes this religion that says you can be saved, believe in Jesus and you can be saved. And it's like, wow. Is it that simple? It's simple. It's not easy. But it's not very complicated. He says you'll be saved, you, your whole household. Then they spoke to the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. They preached the gospel to these guys. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. So throughout this whole, after this horrible, terrible day, they wound up winning the sky to Jesus. And his whole family and they got together and they had something to eat and they baptized them and just celebrated God's love together. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. And the jailer told Paul, dude, good news. The magistrates have ordered you and Silas to be released. Now you can live. Go in peace. And Paul said, yes. Yes, let's not cause any more trouble. Let's be very kind. You know, the Christian thing to do now is to just move along on our merry way. And is that what he does? No, check out Paul. I love him. He's such an in-your-face kind of guy. Paul says to the officers, Hey, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens. That was a big deal back then. And they threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No! You tell them to come down here themselves and escort us out. Silas was probably saying, you know, that's not a very Christian attitude. (laughs) You know, you really, I mean, it's really interesting because I love this stuff because it shows us a different picture. We are so often presented this morphine-like picture of Christianity. What I call this girlified, over-feminized picture of Christianity. All we see is the warm and fuzzy side and the soft and kind. You should just be compliant and people should never argue and no one should ever disagree. And Oh my goodness, someone left the church because they didn't like you. Oh, what are we going to do? Some people aren't agreeing. But it's not the full picture. 
They quote Paul saying, we should be kind and gentle with you. Yeah, but look at Paul. He's the guy who couldn't settle on John Mark. He's the guy who says, I ain't getting out of jail. You tell those jerks to come down here and escort me out personally. Are you getting a picture of this at all? This idea that Christians should be morphine-like. That you should never confront anybody. Or challenge the status quo. Or raise their voices and challenge the political systems of the day. Is not a full picture. That's exactly what he did. And we'll keep reading about Paul is, is quite the character. And, and you need, I want you, I'll keep pointing this out. You need to see how this guy behaved himself. He wasn't just a super quiet, morphine-like guy who just compliantly just did everything so no one would get mad at him. Anyway, the officers go report this to the magistrates. Well, when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they freak! Technically, they were alarmed. They came to appease them. And escorted them from the prison. So he wins. These guys come and say, Oh man, please. I'm so sorry. We didn't know. Please. Please don't say anything. Pretty wild. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went back to Lydia's house, good old Lydia, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. And then... They left. What happens now? Uh, Luke stays here. Luke is actually, he stays in Philippi. And uh, he'll be there until Paul goes back to Philippi. And then we'll see we again. So it just doesn't mean anything. Just, I think it's kind of cool. Anyway. So, they left. So when they had passed, how are we doing? We're doing okay. Uh, when, when they had passed through Amphipopolis, or whatever. In Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. This is where you get the letter to the Thessalonians, uh, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. Remember, they didn't see that initially. They, all they wanted was to look at the scriptures of the Christ coming as a conquering Messiah, which he will come someday. But he came first as the suffering Messiah. And he pointed them out to the scripture that he had to suffer as the suffering Messiah and then rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Well, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks, and not a few prominent women. In other words, a bunch did. But the Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some others before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have come now here. And Jason was wel uh, has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying, that there is another king, one called Jesus. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they, let, then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. But, but I love this phrase here. Uh, these men who have caused trouble all over the world 
have come now here. Um, it's, it's the King James, right, that says, those who have turned, up, turned the world upside down have come hither also. Anybody have a King James Bible? Is that what it says? That's the phrase. Great phrase. This was the reaction of these people. Those who have turned the world upside down have come here now. That's what the Christians were doing. They were turning the world upside down. They, they heard about them. And these people are coming. They're like locusts. They're everywhere spreading like a rash. Just sharing the love of God. And just challenging the systems of the day. Oh man, may, may people say that about us when we show up. Man, those people have been turning the world upside down. Here they are now. They've come to our town. Praise God. Very, very cool. So anyway, as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. All right. Now, arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Bereans were very bad people because they didn't just listen to what Paul said and believe it. Is that what it says? Now, check this out. The Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see what Paul said was true. They didn't just believe it. They said, really? You said it? Where does it say that? Let me see where it says that. Oh, it does say that. Well, what about that? Let me see if this is true. Oh, it does say that. Wow. So they were double-checking everything they were saying. And the Bible praises them. So they're more noble than the other guys because they were checking out the Bible to see if what he's saying was really the truth. Let me encourage you, just don't buy hook, line, and sinker what anybody tells you, including me. Check it out for yourself. Study the scripture. Know what the word of God says. Yes, one hand clapping. There we go. Because this is, this is a good thing. And it's certainly the way I view it, man. I, you know, if I say something and I hear later that, you know, I don't know if that was really true. I had to go check it out in the Bible for myself. Man, I think that's great. That's fabulous. No one here is trying to indoctrinate, brainwash anybody. If what I say doesn't hold water and you can't find it in the Word, then don't believe it. It's just that simple. Just because someone says something, don't just buy into it. And... uh, I only got a few seconds here left, but... uh, I'm, I'm going to be talking about this on, uh, on, on Sunday, as I alluded to a, a second ago. Let me, let me tell you what I'm basically going to be pointing out a little bit on why Paul had a, a challenge with, uh, with, with women. Is, uh, uh, his argument was, if you remember Timothy, he says, well, the reason why I don't let a woman be in charge over a man is because it was the woman who was deceived in the Garden of Eden. Now, I always thought that's a bizarre, spurious reasoning. Who cares who ate the apple first? What's that got to do with anything? And what was Adam's excuse? Well, apparently Adam, apparently Adam wasn't deceived. He was just disobedient, bad enough. They all got in trouble. But this, uh, he implies strongly that this is kind of a characteristic of the sexes. That men will become disobedient and arrogant. And that women, the knock on them is that if they're not careful, they can be given to deception and can deceive themselves and they're very quick to believe what the snake says to them some of them marry the snakes because they believe what the snake said to them are you hearing what I'm saying 
You know, that's going to be a very unpolitically correct uh, message on Sunday. You know, I hope I don't get myself in too much trouble. But, uh, but the reality here is, man, look at the word. Just don't believe what somebody says to you. And, you know, just don't, oh, you know, well, I, I like this guy or I heard this doctrine or somebody says something else. And I'm stunned at how many people really, believers, a lot of them have been saved for years and years and years, quickly just buy into some new doctrine, some new idea comes up and they just jump in hook, line and sinker. They don't even question it. Question it. God, the, the, the Bible, Luke here, praises these people because they questioned whether or not it was rock solid scriptural. And that is perfectly legitimate and fine. And we celebrate that here. Always make sure that what you're hearing is in fact the truth. Don't just buy it because somebody else sold it to you. And you too will be praised. It's a wonderful thing. With great eagerness and, and examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And they praised him for it. And in verse 12, many of the Jews believed as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Okay, so we'll pick this up uh, next week. Uh, good stuff. This is all such good stuff. You can learn so much. Wait till you read this next section about how Paul preached the gospel to a bunch of unbelievers. It's, it'll, it'll, it'll rattle some of your all's cages. You know, he didn't know. It. Was, they preached very differently to people who were supposed to know the Bible and those who didn't. Wait till you read this. It's, it's very fascinating stuff. Great, great stuff to learn. Okay, we will end the service. Let's have our ushers come forward and we will take our evening offering. Our musicians can come back up. This is really some amazing stuff. You know, the good thing, you know, the, the problem with uh, people who don't want to know anything about history is they say if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. I, I love history. I'm a big history fan. When you turn on my TV, the first channel that pops up as program is the history channel. <laughs> In HD now. And uh, uh, it's very cool. But I, I just love this whole record of the early church and the history of what they did and how they did it and how it affects us today. Boy, God was really with these guys and they did some incredible stuff. I just love this book of the Bible. Well, Father, we thank you for your kindness and your grace and we pray that you will bless these offerings. God, use this money. Help us as we advance your kingdom. Bless those who uh, give into this offering, Lord. So many, Lord, they've worked very hard and they honor you with the first part of, of what they've earned. So that in so honoring you, they can help advance your cause in the earth. Bless them richly, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You can pass that around.